When my, uh, when my daughter was younger, um, I helped coach her softball team. And um, I started when she was pretty young, um, and it wasn't anything I ever intended to do. Um, this team had been put together. We had signed her up to pray, play softball because any child of ours has to play baseball or softball. It was just a requirement for them to remain in the house. Um, but um, she started playing softball, and the person who was coaching um, it was a parent um, didn't necessarily know a lot about the game. They just wanted their daughter to have this experience also. And so um, I began to help with coaching, and, and that led to about uh, seven, eight years, I think. I, I coached uh, my daughter's team until we left St. Louis. And um, some of the girls that were on that team stayed with us from the very beginning to the end. Um, but the first year, we were really awesome. We had a perfect record. We were like 0 and 10. <laughs> Is that not a good perfect record? No? It, it's better if it's the other way, right? Um, well, well um, uh, there was a, another gentleman who started helping me coach these girls. And, um, a, and so we were determined to do um, our very best to help them improve from year to year. You know, it seems like a lot of places, I don't know if you experienced this, I experienced this growing up, I've seen this from, from other coaches, uh, sometimes when folks coach a sport, um, what they uh, like to do is they like to just uh, throw you out there on the field and you just kind of do scrimmages over and over again, and they don't really teach you the game. Does that sound familiar, Jason? You've seen folks who do that, like just, just herd them out there and say, well, just go play without ever giving them instructions on how to play the game or even what the goal of the game is. And so we wanted to be sure uh, that they were given this opportunity to understand the game and to improve at the game. A and so we did this thing called practice. Yeah, a and that, the girls were like, practice? Yuck! We just want to play the game. Who wants to practice? Well... Um, if they wanted to, to, to be 0-10 every year into the future, then they could just show up on game day and not practice. Uh, but we began to practice with the girls, and, and we began to teach them the, the fundamentals of hitting and fielding, and then we began to teach them more about the, uh, beyond the basics uh, of the game, and we would even give them things to do in between practices and in between games. Uh, but the decision on whether or not they were going to improve was really up to them. Uh, they could choose to, uh, to show up and to learn the game and to practice in between. Uh, they could, show, they, they could uh, be committed to doing those things. Or they could just say, nah, I'm just going to show up on game day and expect to play. Well, um, needless to say, uh, those girls... Who, who put effort into it, those girls who um, put an effort in the practice and, and paid attention and learned the game, uh, uh, they got better each and every year. Now, they did not all become all-stars. Um, so some of them, um, they, they went from um, not exactly knowing when to swing the bat. You know, sometimes uh, when we first started, some of them would swing the bat after the ball had already passed them. Uh, but they, they, they went uh, from where they began, and they all improved and got better at playing the game. And you see, that would not have happened if they uh, did not put in the practice. But the choice was theirs. Uh, would they 
Um, would they learn and develop? Would they listen and respond? Would they work um, so that when it was game time, uh, they were prepared for anything? Would they make progress over each season and each week? And those who did, uh, we celebrated the progress that we saw. Now, you may have guessed I share this story with you because our spiritual life is often the same way. You know, we, we have talked about the importance uh, of being receptive to God through the Lenten season, about the fact that God's love surrounds us, and, and it's important uh, for us to open the door and say yes so that we receive that love. We talked last week about the importance uh, of participating in worship and daily devotionals where we seek to connect or reconnect to God in a routine way. But here's the truth, folks. If we just occasionally uh, reach out and connect with God, if, if we just um, every now and then um, are reminded that God is present, if we don't do the things necessary uh, to learn what, what it means to live and love like Jesus, then we will never, we will never improve at living and loving like Jesus in fact, I suspect that the biggest issue we have in the church is while we, um, we all agree, right, that living and loving like Jesus is a good thing, that if everybody, I mean, if everybody lived and loved like Jesus, would the world not be a better place? Yes? Everybody knows that living and loving like Jesus would be a better place. Um, sometimes I wonder, though, if we're waiting for someone else to begin before we start. Does that make sense? Um, I wonder sometimes if, if we're just waiting for someone else to begin. Well, today, as I reflected upon this, uh, there were several scriptures that come to mind, and, and I want to begin by reading in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse uh, 13. That's a lot of rain. <laughs> I well... We'll, we'll just go on. I don't think I've ever heard it rain that hard in here. Um, in 13, uh, we begin by hearing this. God's goal for us is to become mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer who, can't, who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teaching and deceitful scheming and the tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. Instead, by speaking the truth in love, let's grow in every way into Christ, who is the head. The whole body grows from Him, and it is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. The body makes itself grow in that it builds itself up with love as each one of us does their part. And then I want to... Um, uh, and then in... in um, chapter 5, at the beginning of chapter 5 in Ephesians, Paul says this, therefore imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love. Follow the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And then in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 6, we, we read uh, the author there says this, so let us press on to maturity by moving on from the basics about, about Christ's words. Let's not lay a foundation of turning away from dead works, of faith in God, of teaching about ritual ways uh, to wash and, uh, with water, of laying on of hands the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment all over again. 
we're going to press on if God allows it. You see, if we, if we listen to these passages, and, and then in uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, Jesus says these words at the end of uh, chapter 5 in verse 48. Jesus says, Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. Over and over and over in Scripture, we find this, uh, this exhortation from Jesus and from Peter and from Paul and from the author of Hebrews, even from the folks in the Old Testament. We find this exhortation uh, that we are to imitate God, that we are to go on to maturity. And in essence, as, as I read these passages, it really is this exhortation for us to live and to love like Jesus. That's what we are called to do. We're not called to uh, just receive God's love and connect with God every now and then and then just wait until we die to be um, united with God and with others in heaven. We are called here and now to live and to love like Jesus. And yet, over and over again, when, when surveys are done and when studies are done, um, survey after survey indicates that, uh, at least in, in the Western world, that, that people who attend church, that people who call themselves Christians, their lives don't look much different than everyone else's. Really, folks, how can that be acceptable if we've been told uh, that we are to love like God, that we are to grow in maturity, that we are to grow in our faith, and that we are to imitate Christ? Or maybe it's just that everybody in our society is imitating Christ. No? Nobody thinks that's true, right? Um, so, so what is it that we, that we are called to do? If we, if we were to look in Ephesians uh, 4.20, we would see that, that Paul encourages us uh, to, to train, to practice. And, and if we look at um, 1 Timothy, we, we also find that in, um, in Hebrews, at the end of chapter 5, uh, the, the author of Hebrews says uh, that we should... Uh, uh, train and put into practice these things that we have learned. In, in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, we hear these words. Train yourself for a holy life. While physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has, it has promise for this life and the life to come. This saying is reliable and deserves complete acceptance. We work and struggle for this. Our hope is set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command these things. Teach them. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Instead, set an example for the believers through your speech, behavior, love, faith, and by being sexually pure. Until I arrive, pay attention to public reading, uh, preaching, and teaching. Don't neglect the spiritual gift in you that was given through prophecy when the elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things and live by them so that your progress will be visible to all. Focus on working on your own development and on what you teach. 
if you do this, you will save yourself and you and, and those who hear you. So we hear in these passages the importance of, of our growing, of our becoming people who live and love like Jesus. We hear over and over this, this urging of us to uh, become such people, to grow in our maturity, to train and to put in practice. And so the question is, what are the things that we do in order to become people who live and love like Jesus? Unfortunately, I think sometimes what we do is, is we read things like the Sermon on the Mount where it says to love your neighbor uh, or where it says to love your enemy and we go out and we try to love our enemy without doing any preparation, without doing the other things that Jesus did in his life. We go out and we try to do these things that Jesus is doing in our own power. And then when we fail, we throw our hands up in the air and we say, Ah, oh, forget this. This is too hard. I can't do it. It's really not possible. And so while we know the world would be a better pace if people uh, became those who lived in love like Jesus, we almost seem to throw our hands up in the air and decide that it is too hard for us. But you see, that's because so often we start at the end point rather than at the beginning. You see, if we're going to be people who live in love like Jesus, it has to begin with those practices we do that open ourselves up to God's presence. Because over and over in Scripture, it tells us that we don't make ourselves to be people who live in love like Jesus. We cooperate with the Spirit. The Spirit works in us. We cooperate with that Spirit, and we do our part. And our part is to open ourselves up to God's presence. Our part is to learn uh, and to hear the stories uh, of Scripture so that they soak into us. And really, if you look at the spirit, these spiritual practices have been practices that, that people of faith have done throughout the century. And yet they are practices that we so often fail to do on a daily basis. There are those practices of abstinence, and by that I mean like solitude and silence and fasting, those things in which we step back from life so that we can better hear God. You know, I am reminded when this pandemic first started, there were, there were many folks after a couple of weeks who came up to me and they, they said, you know, um, as hard as this has been, um, it's caused us to slow down. A and it's, it's caused us to be more reflective and to get more in touch with family and with God. And, and in some ways, I'm appreciating this opportunity to slow down and to step back from things. Unfortunately, as things have began to open up, uh, I see over and over again, many of those people who said those things to me keep adding all the same things back into their lives. And once again, they are so busy. They find themselves once again not having time to take a breath, not having time to step back and to listen to God. It's almost as if after a while we miss the busyness and so we need to add it back in because we need to be doing things in order to feel like we are living life. And yet, Scripture tells us over and over again that, that Jesus lived life well by taking time to get away. 
by setting aside time to spend with God in quiet, to spend with God the Father and the Spirit in quiet, to listen and to pay attention to the stirring of the Spirit in their soul. I am convinced that that many of us do not hear the Spirit speaking to us. We do not hear God's guidance because we are so busy doing that we don't even recognize the voice of God when the Spirit speaks to us. We go right past it. And so it is important as we enter in this season of Lent, as we move forward, as we um, move forward out of this pandemic into into whatever uh, might be the new reality, it is important for us to really be sure that we don't fill up our schedules so much that we do not have time for silence and for solitude, for prayer and for fasting, for backing away from things like our technology and our TV and everything else that we find that causes us to be busy. If we are to become people who live and love like Jesus, we must do that on a regular basis. But not only are there things that we are called to give up, but there are things we are called to take up. There are things that we are called to take up that, that, again, because our schedules are so full, we find it difficult to do. We are called to take up the reading and the study of Scripture. Over and over, in these passages and in other passages, um, the, the followers of Jesus, uh, they emphasize that if we are to grow deeper, if we are to truly become people who live and love like Jesus, then we need uh, to be in groups of people, in smaller groups of people, where we are willing to go deeper, we, where we are willing to share our lives, where we are willing to, uh, to read Scripture, to let it soak in and, and let our hearts and our souls absorb it so that it impacts everything that we do. I mean, you know, Sunday worship is, is wonderful for these moments of connection. Uh, but if we are going to truly allow the Spirit to transform us so that we uh, imitate Christ more and more each day and each year, I, I don't know, I've never been able to figure out how to do it without participating in some kind of a smaller uh, group where I, where I study or where I meditate or where I share what God is doing in my life and, and, and encourage them to come alongside of me to support me. It's really difficult for us to, to, to grow if we aren't willing to do these practices that throughout the history of Christians have proven to be practices which open us up, practices which enable us um, by the power of the Spirit working in and through us to become people who live and love like Jesus, to become people who show compassion, to to become people who forgive, to become people where to not love our enemies would seem strange because we know that it is the way of God. And so as we continue in Lent, I just want to encourage us, encourage us to take the time 
to schedule these spiritual practices that open us up, that make us available to God, that these spiritual practices which enable the Spirit to work in and through us. And then I encourage us to patiently practice them and not to expect that if I spend two weeks with a small group reading Scripture that God should do some wonderful, miraculous thing and suddenly I will be living and loving like Jesus in all of my life. It's just like those girls who are on our softball team. Some of them it took five years before they got to the point where they could play the game well enough. Where they could be put in the game and you would have the confidence that whatever situation came up, they would just instinctively do it because they had trained and they had practiced and they were ready. The same thing is true with our lives. If we are going to make it through crisis, if we're going to make it through situations, the important thing is, what are these uh, these foundational practices that we put in place so that we are in touch with God, so that the Spirit is continuing to shape us and form us, and that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we are confident that God is with us. I'm going to invite the choir to come up as we uh, prepare to sing our last song, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Indeed, as you hear this song this day, uh, may this be your prayer that you will just allow the Spirit to breathe upon us, to continue to shape us and form us so that our will and God's will become one.